0: Hello and welcome to I Heard It On a Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West.
1: My name is Riley. And my name is also Riley. And just kidding, it's Isaiah. And today is Topic Thunder. Heep, heep. <laughs> I invented a theme song. You uh-huh. Maybe I've already heard Hopefully it. Hopefully, I'm going to cut it and put it here. Okay. <laughs> I need to remember, I need to
0: like practice, maybe create some actual tones okay. and like notes. Well, I can auto tune
1: it and like put oh. a bass behind it. Oh, so okay. Do bass to it. If yeah. I can do that, it's going to happen here and if i didn't then there'll be cricket noises instead okay (laughs) but uh yeah today's topic thunder it's wednesday my dudes I don't know why I got myself with that so much. Um, but today we have three topics for you. Um, the first topic, which I'm excited about, is I'm going to convince Riley to buy some sort of electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. We don't know which one yet, but I've got a, a wide variety of many different electric vehicles ranging from affordable, quote unquote, <laughs> okay. to not affordable.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So we're off to a good start there. The second topic is our photo albums extinct, or done, or over, or kaput. We're gonna talk about print photography and stuff like that. And the third topic is everyone's favorite pastime, board games. This can range from your run-of-the-mill board games like Sorry or Scrabble to, okay, I was at Barnes & Noble today, I won't go too in-depth, but I saw a board game that was like $140. Yeah. So we're gonna get there and we're gonna talk about that. But to start off, we're going to start off with electric vehicles, and I'm sure most of you know electric vehicles are kind of a big thing nowadays. You've got yeah, Tesla, who is the leader of electric vehicle making, and then you've got all of the other companies who also make cars. Um, but they really are kind of one of the hot things you know, in the past couple of years, um, both because of their affordability, because you're not buying gas for you as a consumer. And also because of their you know coolness as a new technology um for a lot of other reasons too like they're environmentally friendly kind of like they're worse to make but better to drive so it might pay off eventually um and they're also you know in demand products so people who own stocks in them like tesla have made so much money and i didn't own stock in tesla sad day but we're gonna go into. I have, I think I have six here. One, two, three.
0: I didn't know the thing about them being worse to make for the environment. Could you talk about that a little more? Yeah, I
1: wish I had an article or something pulled up. But basically, I think, I want to say it was Engineering Explained on YouTube has a video about this. And he's like, he's an engineer Mm -hmm. um, who does a lot of car related stuff. And he was just kind of going into the specifics of if environment or if electric vehicles are more environmentally friendly than um, internal combustion engines. And basically what he found out, and I hope I'm getting this right, but he basically found out that it's more efficient and more environmentally friendly to manufacture an internal combustion engine because of our infrastructure that we already have in place. And because it doesn't use as many chemicals that are harmful to the earth to mine. So, Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing I think in electric vehicles that was environmentally damaging was the battery yeah. because most electric cars use lithium ion batteries, which um, take lithium, which is harmful to mine and also cobalt to stabilize the lithium and cobalt is super rare. Um, it's really harmful. They strip mine it basically. So it's really harmful to the environment, both um, in terms of erosion and actual like land damage and also... Humanity-wise, because it's you know a lot of people you will use slaves and stuff like that to kind of produce and to mine that. Hmm. Um, So there's a lot of technology and a lot of companies who are researching ways to use less less. (laughs) It's hard to say less lithium and less to no cobalt in their batteries to make them more environmentally and humanitarian friendly. Um, But the basics of it was an electric car uses more energy and has a bigger carbon footprint up until you've owned it for a, a couple of years, five or seven years or something like that. Mm. And then at that point, it's paid off in not burning gasoline and using oil and coolant and all of these other things that you would have yeah. to use. Um, so if you were to buy you know, a car and drive it for five years and junk it, it would probably be worse for the environment to buy an electric car. But for most people, even if you don't own your car that long you're going to sell it used and then it's going to you know still be used long right. past that so it's it was kind of one of those gotcha things but people have said you know like oh electric cars are worse for the environment cuz their manufacturing is worse but it's only for a short period of time. So that was interesting to me. Hmm. Um, total tangent there. If you want to learn more about that, you can go check it out on YouTube. It was Engineering Explained. Um, and he's got a great video. And his channel is great anyway. So check it out if you want to know more about the science behind cars. But I have, I forgot to count them, one, two, three, four, five cars that I'm going to try to convince you to buy today. It's oh. um, reasonable. And we're going to start with one of... The main electric cars, one of the cars that comes to mind. When... First of all, I have a. a okay, go for it.
0: Are any of them Subarus? No. Okay, because that I would have instantly bought breaker? one. Oh, yeah, oh. well, because I have a joke in my mind that if I had one, then it would be called the electric Subaru, and I could call it Breaking Two Electric Subaru, and then every nice. time that we get in the car. <laughs> And I break. it could be called braking to electric Subaru, nice. and I would buy the car just for
1: that joke. Okay. No, I don't think Subaru has an electric vehicle currently. Okay. Um, there's only a few typical car manufacturers that have them. Um, Nissan has one, Chevy has one, um, Porsche has one, and GMC has one. Those are the ones that I know off the top of my head. Okay. A lot of companies have... Um, hybrids or I know Toyota has like a hydrogen powered, like a hydrogen fuel cell car um, but most companies haven't gone fully electric yet. Most companies for their environmentally friendly line are keeping the you know plug-in hybrid or gasoline generated hybrid concepts. Um, but the first car is from Tesla who is kind of the biggest name in electric cars um, and it's the Tesla Model 3 which is a sedan. I'll show you a picture of it. You people online won't be able to see it but you can Google Sleep. it if you want to looks see. Like it. car? It's a sedan. It's not super fancy. It doesn't look like it's not extravagant or like out of this world. But it's a like modern, contemporary, nice looking sedan. Mm-hmm. Um, the coolest thing I think about the looks is how it's got like the whole roof is just glass. So you don't have like a roof necessarily. I'll show you again. You don't have a roof. It's just oh. all glass. So you get this huge like open sunroof experience, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so the base specs of the Model 3, this is just like the one that you can get for the cheapest amount, and then obviously you can option it up from there. Um, it'll do 060 in 4.2 seconds. It's got a 210-mile range, and it's it's two-wheel drive. I don't know if it's front or rear-wheel drive. I'm pretty sure it's front-wheel drive. Um, but you can also option it up, which I would recommend for you when you buy this car, um, to a performance... All wheel drive long range version, which would do zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds, which is pretty fast, um, have a 353 mile range, and have all wheel drive. Um, the other options you can get, I'm going to pull them up here. I should have done this beforehand, but I'll just keep talking while I find the button. Here so it is. So, where do you charge these kind of things? Ah, I'm glad you asked. So Tesla has a supercharger network across the United States, and this would be kind of the equivalent of a fuel station, like a gas station. Um, And they're typically in places like off of highways or interstates or in hotel parking lots or something like that. Um, And you get a card with them, you set up an account with them, and then it's just a card and you scan it and they'll charge you for the electricity you use. And then you'll plug it in, and they're typically very high voltage and high current, so they'll be able to charge your car super fast. And Tesla actually does their charging speeds in miles per hour, which is pretty cool. So they show you like how many miles per hour your car is charging, and it's basically just telling you how many miles of range you're gonna get in an hour. Um, and these will typically charge, you know, in the tens of miles per hour, you know, like I'm not sure exactly, but it's you know, 30 to 60 or something like that. Um, and the newer batteries are getting pretty fast so you can typically get you know a couple hundred miles of range back within 15 or 20 minutes so this would be if you're on a road trip and you're getting low on charge you could go to like a gas station or a service station or whatever plug your car in and just go get a snack and go to the bathroom and then come back and you have enough range to get you another you know four or five hours which isn't really an issue because you have to stop to go to the bathroom and get food you know every couple hours on a road trip anyway and then for when you're just driving around town or commuting to work or whatever you can plug them into either just a normal 120 volt household outlet you know with the two prongs in the ground or you can plug them into like a 200 sorry 110 volt outlet or a 220 volt outlet which would be like what you would plug your washing machine into mm-hmm. so it's a bigger plug with angled prongs um, and so most people would get a 220 volt outlet installed in their garage so that they could have the faster charging at home. And for most people, like with the extended range on this guy, 350 miles is plenty. So maybe you'll have to plug it in to a higher power charger like once a week or maybe even less than that. Or you could just, you know, trickle charge it off of a normal outlet in your garage every night. So I think for most people, we're at the point where electric charging isn't really an issue anymore. And I've seen so many, even off-brand, like non-Tesla charging stations that you can use with any of these cars. And they're just, like I saw one today, I was up in Estes Park, and they had four of them at the visitor center. So they're in a lot of like remote spots.
0: Yeah, are they all um, generic or universal charging ports, or did the Tesla ones only work for Tesla cars?
1: So they're not universal, but they can just be adapted. There's no proprietary software that makes them not work it's just you have to have a hardware adapter Mm -hmm. Um, so when you buy a Tesla they come with like three or four different adapters that you can plug into different model chargers so typically they've got you pretty well covered and then you can also buy like if they do have new standards or new companies release superchargers or whatever you can buy adapters like that from Tesla or from whoever to adapt whichever plug to whatever plug Um, so they're not brand specific they're brand agnostic so you can use any supercharger with any or any electric vehicle charger with any electric vehicle generally um so you're covered there you don't have to worry about like running out of electricity or anything like that um and they're actually pretty accurate battery indicator wise it's not going to be like your laptop where it's like oh you have 10 left and then it just dies on you mm-hmm. they're very sophisticated battery packs with a lot of monitoring and stuff like that. It's all the cobalt. So, yeah, all that cobalt. <laughs> that actually stops them from exploding. So, you kind of oh. need that. Otherwise, they would just spontaneously combust. Um, but so this car would run you with incentives. And Tesla's kind of tricky about this because they consider gas savings an incentive. So, it's like, here's how much you would save on fuel over. A year That's or like two the years or whatever an electric car. Right. And so they add that into your price. So the base price of this car is $37,990 and then they add $4,000 of incentives which would be like a tax rebate from your state or from the federal government. I think the federal tax credit has ended but there are certain government incentives you get for buying an electric car mm-hmm. and then they also add in $4300 of gas savings which is kind of deceptive cuz they say oh your price is 29,000 but like out the door you're going to have to pay 37,000 and then get your incentives back and save that money on gas so that's kind of so that you actually
0: pay them $37,000 yes. they're just saying in the long run you'll save $4000 on gas correct so That's
1: that's kind of scummy. But so thirty-seven thousand dollars, and that doesn't include any of the fancy things like the long-range model, which you would want. So the long-range model bumps you up to $38,690. Or the performance model, which you would also want, because that's how you get fast.
0: I don't really care about
1: that. No, you want this. Why? And that
0: <laughs> so that you can ride in my brand new fancy <laughs> yes. car and feel the zero to sixty in three point six seconds. Three point one. Three point one seconds. seconds.
1: It also gives you a little bit of a range boost. It gives you more aerodynamic tires, um, and it also will upgrade your interior. So you probably are going to want this, and that brings you up to fifty four thousand. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah,
0: the the distance upgrade was like a thousand dollars
1: no sorry the distance upgrade I read with the gas savings oh. so the distance upgrade was forty six thousand I misread that okay and then the performance model is fifty five thousand um not bad that's like the payment on that's eleven like $1, hundred $1, twelve hundred a month just like uh, buying a house but just that, like buying a house yeah but that gives you. A top speed of 160 miles an hour while burning no fuel. When would I ever need that? You might, if you're running away from...
0: The top speed that I drove today, and I did drive a bit today, Uh I think was 35 miles an hour.
1: Okay, see, you could like quadruple that easily.
0: Why would I need to?
1: (laughs) You don't. but I I do want to
0: experience
1: it. I want to be in a Tesla and just
0: floor it.
1: Yes, exactly. Once
0: in my life, I think that'll be enough once in my life.
1: Okay, so you might want to rent one, but I'm gonna keep trying to talk you into this one. Okay. So Wait, hopefully, there's, there's four more. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go faster through okay. these. This is the like main one. So okay. this is the one that I'm trying to talk you into. Okay. Hopefully, you like the color white, because any other color is gonna cost you a thousand extra dollars. What other colors are there? It might be uh, worth it. Black, gray, blue, and red. Red is two thousand extra dollars.
0: There's not like fuchsia no. or orange no, or. No. They're
1: all very. Apple esque colors. Yeah,
0: come on. At, at least they have like rose gold and yeah. S- s- what do they call it? S- sky. No.
1: S- space space gray? gray. Yeah. They have kind of space gray and at here. Least it's we're talking about midnight apple, silver, you know? so Yeah. We can totally. We it got to sneak apple. We missed it last episode. <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about apple at all. I know. My um, skin was starting to crawl. I know. Gross. <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna just go with white. Okay. Um, it's harder to keep clean. You could have a black and white interior, but that's also $1,000. And we're about saving money here. So we're just going to go with a black interior. Yeah.
0: Well, then I don't want the performance.
1: Yes, you do. Um, (laughs) Do you want your car to be able to fully self-drive itself? Okay. Asterisk here. It says it's full self-driving, but it can't actually drive itself legally or actually. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean then? So they can... um, automatically when you get on the highway you can put in your navigation and it will automatically drive itself to your next off-ramp and then disengage autopilot so So that's one part of it then it can also automatically change lanes while you're on the highway to get out from behind slow cars and stuff like that it can automatically park both in parallel and perpendicular spots Um, if you are walking out of target with your hands full you can Click a button on your phone, and your car will drive to you, so you don't have to go find well, my it. My hands
0: are full. How do I get my phone?
1: Ah, maybe you can ask Siri. <laughs> um, and it can also sense traffic lights and stop signs. But as of this episode, they only do assisted stops at traffic-controlled intersections. So you have to like it'll start slowing down, and then you have to decide if the light is green or red, and if you want to stop or go. So it's definitely in like a beta kind of feeling and it has been for a long time and it's getting better but it's definitely not fully self-driving like it is being sold as.
0: Well, I know enough about Tesla's to know that they're just computers mm-hmm. and that any upgrade to my car is just an upgrade to its programming. Correct. So theoretically I could not get this and then later if laws change I could just buy this Correct. upgrade and it would just they would just plug in the software to my Tesla's computer. Exactly.
1: And believe it or not, it will just download it from the internet with its own Wi-Fi connection. So That's all of loud. these options, like for example, this is crazy to me, the long range upgrade on most cars isn't actually more physical batteries or hardware, they're just enabling it in the software. It's just like governing so, the software. And I'm not sure if this is true anymore, but I know it was true for a while when Tesla was new. All of the cars were the exact same. But they would software disable some features. Like in some of the early ones, they would sell the car with two motors, but disable one of them to make it only rear-wheel drive. That. And then you could spend six grand extra to have them re-enable the motor in like, software. The second yeah. Motor. <laughs> and like Pay There was play. a time during one of the hurricanes a couple of years ago when in that area they enabled everyone to have the long range version so they could like get out of town. But that made people realize, like, oh, my car. Is the exact same as one of the nicer ones. They just software locked it, so that's weird. And I think that's the direction, unfortunately, cars are going to go, which yeah. sucks. But it's good for those of you who can hack your own car. And guess, save but then that thirty grand teaches <laughs> yeah. everyone how to hack everyone else's cars. True, we're going in an interesting direction as a society. Okay, but for that's now, different conversation. We're going to buy autopilot because why not? We can.
0: I thought we were saving money.
1: on the paint but we want to Oh, We're just saving
0: money on paint. <laughs> yes. Got it.
1: Yes. Okay, so that puts you your Model 3 at $65,000. Do you want to buy it? We can do it now for a deposit of only $100. <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: I have $100 right now. Let's do it. Okay, click it.
1: Okay, this is going to be bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now it's going to give you cookies to buy Teslas for the rest of your life
1: or I accidentally just got a loan. <laughs> for sixty five thousand. You've been
0: approved for a thirty seven percent interest oh, rate loan, Josh.
1: Over twenty years. Okay, yeah, yeah. but say we're gonna have to move through this. This took a lot longer than I thought it was going to, and we're running out of time. Oh. But say, <laughs> four more. Say, <laughs> say a sedan is not your style. Say you have a lot of kids who you can't lower to the ground. You have to lift them up instead because it's the same amount of seating. Whatever. You can get an SUV instead. The Model X. This is going to run you a lot more money because it's a lot more luxurious and fancy, but the doors don't open out sideways like you might think. They like open up. Like Falcon wings, not cars. like yeah, not like a Lamborghini They like open up and they've got like wings at the top, and you can actually drive oh. with them open. So it's like got these little ear wing things. Why
0: would you want to drive with them open?
1: Because you can.
0: Like we used to do on those yeah. dirt roads, on- uh huh. In a minivan, <laughs> yeah. this is cooler
1: than that. Um, so this one actually gets decent. Like it's a huge, like it weighs seven thousand pounds or something like that. So it's a huge car it gets faster acceleration than the sedan 2.6 <laughs> seconds zero what? to 60. that's so fast that's like faster than most supercars um 163 miles an hour top speed 350 miles of range which is insane this is great so we're just going to go through that this one we're going to splurge a little bit on we're going to get the red one for two thousand extra and we're going to get the 22 inch onyx black wheels these wheels <clears throat> cost an extra six thousand dollars <laughs> But we're going to do it. Why? Because they're blacker they're cool. than the other ones. Um, and we'll get the black and white one. That looks sick. We're going to get the seven seat interior instead of five seats because you need those extra seats for all your kids. And we're going to get autopilot. And your Tesla costs um, $122,000. Oh, Keen? I can return the other one still.
0: I could buy a whole house in Oklahoma for that amount.
1: You could almost buy a house here for that. It's not gonna be a nice house, but it'll be not not nice. Depends on yeah. where you are. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna say no to those then. Cause I feel like you look at these and you're like, yeah, they're cool, but I need something that what? can work for me. Why don't you just something... give me the
0: one that you the next one that you think I would actually like if you were actually trying to convince me, I'm not even in the market for a car right now. But if you were, if I were in the market for a car, and I said Isaiah, bring me an electric vehicle idea that I actually might buy. What's the one that you think I might actually get?
1: Okay, well, the next one I was gonna tell you is the Electric Hummer. No, there's but no way I'd there's no Hummer. way you would buy that. It's also in the six figures as well. Super cool. We'll talk about that on a different podcast. Um, but the one that you'd actually buy is the Nissan Leaf.
0: I've heard of that. Yeah, name.
1: this is the car it's that cute. I could see you buying. I could see your dad buying this car too. Um, I remember we used to talk about like when your dad was buying. He he buys Nissans, right? Rogues were the last cars mm-hmm. he bought. Two of them. Um, so I can see this being. It's like efficient. It's economical. It's pretty cool, and it's you know it's a it's a good car. So this is a car that I think I could sell both to you and your dad. So, Doug, if you're listening, this should be your next car. Um, But the Nissan Leaf, okay, this is not going to have flashy technology features like the Tesla, and it's not going to go 0 to 60 in two seconds or do any of that cool stuff. It can't even drive itself. Like, how could you buy this car? But it will have range up to 226 miles, which is decent. It used to be that the cheaper models, like the Chevy Volt, and some of the other like older electric cars would get something like you know 40 to 60 miles of electric range which is nothing can't like you could get around town you could get around a small town for a while but you can't go out of town at all like if we wanted to go to denver we wouldn't be able to make it <laughs> no and just going there not even back um but it's i mean i'll show you a picture of it it's like an SUV hatchbacky y looking thing. It looks like a Nissan. It's looks not like
0: the kind of car I would buy.
1: Yeah, it's not flashy at all. It's like um, 10
0: years too new. Right.
1: <laughs> it does actually have an app. So it's not all technology barren. You can turn your car on from the app. Um, so you can heat it up in the morning when it's cold or cool it down when it's hot. And it can tell you if someone's broken into it, which is good to know. <laughs> so you can run out there and stop it. <laughs> yeah. And it will also tell you. Um, How much range you have left, how much time is left charging, like if you're looking at it from the restaurant and you want to see. Which, something cool about the Hummer is the headlights just fill up like a battery bar, so you don't need the app. But whatever, it's okay. You don't want the Hummer. We're going to go with the Nissan Leaf. Um, The base model starts at $31,000, which is still a little bit expensive for a car. Sure. Um, That one also only has a range of 150 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you wanted to step it up to the next highest range, the 62 kilowatt hour battery, um, that one would give you the full range of 226 miles and, uh, that one costs 38,000. So this one on the face of it looks to be about the same price as the first Tesla, but they also aren't telling you that the money you're going to save in gas is money off of your price now, which is good. It's nice to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that you need to know about this. Most of these you'll get the same credits on, the same federal and state credits. Um, so for example, the one that I had said was 38000 you could have enough tax credits and rebates from the government to get that price down to 29000 which oh. is now we're in a reasonable range, especially considering that you don't have to pay for gas anymore. And typically maintenance on electric cars is so much cheaper than maintenance on you know an internal combustion engine because you're not having to change fluids there aren't any fluids um you're not having to you know fix lots of rotating or mechanical parts that are spinning around all the time Um, basically for the most part all you have to do is maintain your battery make sure that it's not too low of voltage and then change brakes and headlights and you know small stuff like that that breaks in your car Um, so If I were to try to sell you a car, it would be the Nissan Leaf S Plus with the 62 kilowatt hour battery um, with federal rebates for $30,000.
0: I could see myself being convinced of that someday in the future. I don't really believe in buying new cars anyway. Okay.
1: But so, really, the one I should convince you to buy is a 2012 Chevy Bolt for $6,000 that gets 80 miles of range but you'll never have to buy gas again and you're saving the planet.
0: I mean, I really would consider that.
1: Okay. So, I kind of succeeded. I consider this a success. If, if
0: I had another car that I would use for like trips outside of the
1: town. I mean, what I would do in this situation and we're going to wrap this up because we need to move on from this yeah, topic. But what I would do is I would buy, you know, in in reality, like I'd love to have any of these fancy cars, but I would buy, you know, the 10-year-old or the 8-year-old. Bolt or whatever and use it to get around and then if I was going on a road trip I would rent one of these Teslas or I would rent like a sports car or something like that because it would cost me You know a couple hundred dollars to rent one of those cars to take it on a trip Which I could spend way more like I drive a jeep right now I spend way more than that in gas like I spend $200 a month in gas right now Mm. Um, And so I would easily make up for that and then I would get the best of both worlds I would get an amazing road trip car And I'd also have something nice and cheap and efficient for around town. So consumer advice on this podcast once again. Buy an eight-year-old Chevy Bolt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing will go wrong.
1: Nothing at all. I mean, nothing can. It's just a battery and a wheel. Easy. Okay. Let's move on to the next topic.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about the about this the other day because with iOS 14, we're gonna talk about Apple again. Yeah. Um there's this Widget that you can add that shows you featured photos every day. Do you have this? No. Okay. Well, I do, and it shows me like different photos. I'll look at what I have right now. Earlier today, it was pictures of my trip that I took a couple of years ago to Hawaii with my mom and our hair whipping around. Oh, nice! And um, so it it picks basically it picks random photos from your past, from your camera roll, and features them, and they're different every day. Okay. And I thought, this is kind of like a modern-day photo album. Uh-huh. And I thought this while also looking at our old photo albums right. that we made in the late 90s or early 2000s. And I thought, I mean, th- we used to make photo albums because pictures took a lot of effort to create. Cameras were expensive and heavy and inconvenient to carry around, and creating a picture was a labor of love. You all gathered around and you only had a certain amount of film. And so that one picture was the one that you got no matter if it was good or bad. And there were only a couple of copies of that picture because it took time and effort to develop the film as well. So photos were kind of a finite resource and you had to spend time to compile those images into a photo album and those were cherished. I mean. I think a lot of people's answers to that question, "What would you? What's the one thing you would save if your house was burning down?" is photo albums. Those are, I mean, those are important things to a lot of people.
1: I'd save my family, but (laughs) you know what I mean.
0: (laughs) Um, So for for a long time, photos were very highly favored and cherished things. Currently, people take endless photos. They are really not a finite they're not a finite resource at all. There are people that people that take dozens of photos a day and do nothing with them. I personally rarely look at my photos and I have way too many of them to really appreciate the few truly good ones that are in there. And it's not so much a labor of love to create a photo album because like I just said, my phone basically does it for me and you can do that feature. I don't know if you've done this, but it you kind of create a like a slideshow uh-huh. by just clicking on an album or yeah. just clicking on a day, and it does that for you. And you that's can have cool. It play
1: music and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it
0: is cool, but it it's certainly not a labor of love, right? So, and you don't really save those. I mean, I've I've yeah. made them for fun, but I don't look back on them years right. later and say, "Wow, that was an amazing trip." I really need to go back to Hawaii based on those things that my phone made yeah. in five seconds. So. I, I do think that what we have going on right now is has some benefits, and people are able to capture more of the awesome and the mundane beauty of life, and things that maybe you didn't expect to be a meaningful moment. You still are able to capture, and mm-hmm. in retrospect, you realize that that was really an act- totally. actually an important moment in life, and you wouldn't have done that if you only had one roll of film and your camera was it couldn't even fit in your pocket. Right. And you had to intentionally like create a scene to take a picture mm-hmm. like it used to be. So it's not all bad. There is There there are a lot of great opportunities, I think, that come from this endless stream of photos that we're kind of living in. And they that can be extended to videos and media and advertisements and whatever but i'm focusing right now on on photos right. specifically and if they are still as cherished now or if we still value photos like we did um, 30 years ago right
1: i think it's interesting because most of the time when i would find an old photo that like made me nostalgic and made me think about those good times and those you know those experiences i wasn't necessarily going to seek them out i wasn't like looking Mm -hmm. for them i just was cleaning and found a photo album and i just sat down and looked at it um and i've had those experiences with digital photos too like i've had times where i've got an old hard drive from an old laptop or whatever and i'm going through it like cleaning it up and then i find a bunch of photos that i had taken on you know like my iphone 4 or whatever and They're like nostalgic and I'll spend like an hour going through them or whatever. Um, But for me, that's how most photos, whether they're physical or digital, that's how most of the photos that I had taken or other people had taken were discovered is just kind of stumbling upon them and then kind of road tripping down memory lane or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, There's only a few photos that I've like looked back on purposefully and that's probably like when kids in my family have been born or like my wedding photos Um, or photos that I've taken like as an artistic expression and not trying to document a moment. So like, for example, the photos that we took when we went out to take star photo, like astrophotography Mm -hmm. or like landscapes or whatever. Um, And I, I think there is still room for print and, saying this from my perspective, like um, I enjoy photography as a hobby, both for like, you know, just capturing moments, but also as like an artistic creative expression. And there's just something about when you take a photo, it seems so much more like creative and artistic when you like print it out on like nice paper or a canvas, mm-hmm. and then you like frame it in a soft box and hang it on your wall. That seems so much more like valuable and just gratifying as an artist as opposed to like posting it on Instagram or like setting it as a wallpaper on your computer or whatever, which those are so much easier, but there's just something about like the effort that goes into it and the kind of finality of it's like a physical object that you made that's now hanging on your wall. Um, so I think, I think print itself and I think photo albums and portfolios and physical paper and stuff like that aren't going to go away ever, but I do wonder if we might have less of those stumbling upon an old photo album and kind of reminiscing and looking back on you know good times and good memories because of digital stuff like I'm the same as you I've got I just looked I've got a thousand pictures on my phone in my camera roll and I never go back and look at them like I'm taking pictures that I'm never gonna go back and look at and I can't necessarily stumble upon them because they're not in a stumble upon place, you know, they're not like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ever go into my camera roll expecting to do something else and stumble upon these photos. Um, And then like when you get a new phone, most people probably wouldn't necessarily back up all their photos. Um, Some people might, but some people, I mean, (laughs) I've overheard a lot of people in AT&T buying a new phone and the person asks like, Hey, are all your photos backed up to iCloud? And they're like, no, but it's kind of a hassle now, so you can just wipe them, I guess. Wow, (laughs) Which to me seems kind of crazy, but then again, it's not really that crazy, because I've backed up my past, like four phones, onto hard drives, but then I've never gone back and looked at the photos. Like, It would never even cross my mind to do that. I've never needed them. So it's kind of interesting to me. I wonder how much that's gonna change and if that will even be the experience like for kids in the future of like stumbling across old photos or not.
0: Yeah. I think it'll need to be a more intentional experience in some form or another. Yeah. But like you said, I I agree that there will still need there will still be some demand or need for a in person or a physical copy of photos, but I, I I know people who have tons of photo albums from every vacation they ever went on and every family reunion. And I have a couple of photos of my friends from college and you probably have a couple of photos from your wedding, mm-hmm. but that's maybe a total of like 30 printed photos right. versus the hundreds that I know people
1: yeah, who are like, like 20 or books 30 years and older books, than us yeah.
0: did. So it's definitely changing.
1: It's pretty crazy. Do you remember when digital picture frames were a big thing in like yeah. the 2000s and yeah. it was like a mix?
0: <laughs> well, that was a weird time in general because people had cameras, but they were also starting to get phones that mm-hmm. had cameras and there were all sorts of different file types and cords and there was no unity on how to share or save photos for a long time and i think we're kind of past that yeah. but we're also implementing new usb ports and yeah. file types and stuff like that uh-huh. all the time so
1: who knows who knows there's still nothing like shooting on an actual like physical camera body and a physical like detachable lens like yeah. no matter how good iPhones can get or android can get i'm not going to stereotype but android cameras suck <laughs> But no matter like how much software processing and stuff they put into them, you're just never going to get the like soft cinematic artistic look from an actual like big sensor and a nice glass lens, you know, no matter how much like and Apple's pretty good about their like in their portrait mode. They get like a decent bokeh in the background and they get a decent focus on the subject or whatever, but it's just nothing like an actual old school camera with a giant glass lens. But that's okay. I'm just old school like that, I guess. I suppose so. <laughs> okay. Anything else on this topic?
0: Nope. Let's talk about board games.
1: Board games. And we've made up our time. We're back on schedule. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So board games. Um, it used to be, at least from, I'll just give my experience because I can't speak for the whole world, but... When I was younger, I used to think that board games were things that kids did with their family or friends to not be bored for like an hour. Um, which, to be fair, is what a lot of board games are even now as adults. But to me, board games were games like Sorry or um, Stratego. I don't know if you've ever played Stratego. I used to play that one a lot. Um, or Scrabble or Shoots and Ladders. I played that one a lot too when I yeah. was little. Um but they were always just kind of, you know, they weren't things that you would get invested in and love yeah. as like a hobby. They were just like time killers or like party activities or whatever. But that is either changed or I've become aware of the fact that some people have a hobby that isn't just board games, but it's a single game, um, which I think is awesome, like I, i'm i'm assuming this has existed for a long time and i just was naive to it until i realized because it wouldn't make sense for it to all of a sudden just be a thing but I don't know. there there are a lot of people who are like diehard fans of one game and to me i think if i had a game right now that i would have to say is my game like my board game that i like know how to play and i like have looked up strategies online outside of playing it to figure out how to be better at it it would be settlers of catan
0: basic
1: yeah okay well okay see this is i feel judged and yes this is like the most entry-level board game if you're getting into board gaming as a hobby we sound like nerds right now (laughs) whatever we're just gonna roll with it um this is like the gateway drug of board games okay because it's your friends just they they push it on you they're like we're gonna play katan no matter what but don't worry it's easy and so you uh, like you no. learn and then you like like it and then you start getting into it and then you realize there's board games that are even more fun because katan is fun but it is pretty base level in regards to other board games there's not a lot of strategy to it necessarily compared to other games it doesn't take that long to play compared to other games and it's pretty accessible for casual people. Um, which that's kind of crazy to think about when you consider, you know, the rule book's like forty pages long and it still takes like an hour and a half to play. Yeah,
0: that's that's comparing it to other board games that yeah. we're gonna talk about and not comparing it to something like sorry.
1: Yeah, because they're very different. And now we're we're getting into the realization that there is a split. There are casual board games that you play to kill time or with your, you know, kids or whatever. And then there's like board games that are the hobby. And this is all you do with your friends and you plan your weekends around playing board games. Um, so, so yeah, so let's talk about that. Have you ever had an experience where, I don't even know how to say this, have you ever had an experience of playing a super in-depth board game or like playing games with people who are super into a board game? And what was that like?
0: Yes, I have. One of my good friends and roommates in college is very into board games. Like has several of those weird ones that you never really heard of and they're complex to learn, but he knows exactly how to play them. So the first five times you play the games is him teaching you how to play it. Like that's right. part yeah. of the experience. It's uh-huh. just having to suck at the game.
1: You have to like take notes. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: And like re- you have to be invested and uh-huh. like focused during that those first several sessions. Like, I've played Settlers of Catan probably 30 times at least in my life. And I still I I I know and I know the rules enough to play and not ask dumb questions, but I still don't know any sort of strategy to come close to winning. I won one time and it was a fluke. But <laughs> I've never gotten even Half of the points required to win, besides that one time, because these intense games, most of them are strategy-based games. Uh-huh. You requires you to be like a true student of the game, right? Which is just not something that I'm really that into. Okay, it for me, board games are about the people and not the game. Right. So you got to really be into it with the people, and yeah, that was. It can be hit or miss depending on the mood and the, totally. the evening, and the, if the other people are as committed to the yeah. game as everyone else. Yeah,
1: and I think you get into the point where you're either playing some more intense games with committed like friends who you're just hanging out with, and the main purpose isn't the board game. But there's only a certain level of that type of game you can reach before people don't want to do it anymore. And then if you want to go any higher than that or into any more depth than that, you kind of have to have board game specific friends, Hmm. like the group of friends that you like get together to play board games with and not who you get together with and play board games. You know, it's kind of the the point is to play the game, Um, which can be said about a lot of stuff. Uh, For example, back in our high school days, um, sometimes we would hang out and then happened to play Call of Duty Zombies on Xbox. But other times we would dedicate weekends to play Call of Duty Zombies and the point sure was to hang out, but it was also to play that game and we, I was not
0: really invested right. when it was that kind of act. And
1: so you probably had a hard time with the, the times when we dedicated weekends to trying to beat Easter eggs in this game because I don't think I always showed up for that. Right, because the goal wasn't to like hang out. The goal was to do something that we were passionate about. and We were gonna freaking do it.
0: But I could care less about.
1: Right. So that's that's where the issue lies. Is you have to have a group of friends either who will go with you as far as they're able to, and then you can't go any further than that with them, or you have to make new friends or find other friends who are super into that game. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of games like this. The one that I was talking about in the intro to this episode uh, was called Scythe at Barnes and Noble. I don't know if you've heard of it, but no. it, I like flipped it over because we were looking for new games to buy. And I flipped it over and the first thing I saw was that it was $140. And that immediately was a turnoff to me. I was like, I can't just drop $140. Okay, so if you think about it like this, the back of the game has like a short description, like a book, right? Uh huh. And I'll spend $20 on a book that I can read the back of, but I won't spend $140 on a board game. That I can just read the back of. And you'd ha- I feel like one of those purchases you have to like know someone in the community already, or you just have to do so much research to like see if it's something you're gonna like. Because that's a lot of money to drop on a board game. Yeah. Um, so I put it back. But it looked so complicated. Like it looked like Catan was an infant child and this was Catan's father, who was like a hardened man. Because <laughs> <laughs> this game was Do you was,
0: think like- you would find that fun?
1: I don't know. A game
0: that complicated? I don't know.
1: I Okay. I think eventually, yes, I would find it fun because I've gotten into a lot of like, I love when things are complicated and I kind of figure them out and then I'm like doing all these complicated things Um, like Call of Duty Zombies, for example, that I'm just going to sound like a super nerd right <laughs> now. Know. but It's okay. Whatever. Just embracing it. I, yeah, team I'm team. just leaning into it because on the surface of the game, the goal is just to not die and to shoot zombies, which is fun. That's what you do when you're hanging out but when you're like dedicating your time to playing call of duty zombies on the weekend <laughs> that sounds so bad on the weekend with your friends um, yeah, add with your friends yeah with your friends you don't i wouldn't do it by myself it was lame but you you do the easter eggs and you like you learn how to do cryptography because you have to solve these puzzles and you actually need like a supercomputer to solve them and there's one easter egg in this game where It literally couldn't be solved unless someone like learned this new language and so someone on reddit learned it and so we used what the person on reddit did to like further ourselves so it was super complicated but part of the fun of it is you're doing this super complicated thing with your friends and there's so much like challenge and there's so many like nuanced things that you can kind of do together that it makes it part of the fun it's kind of like a little puzzle and a challenge and you get more in-depth and more close together because you're kind of sharing this struggle or whatever. So I think it could be one of those things where there's so much and we kind of would build a shared bond because there's just so much complexity and we've gone through so much. <laughs>
0: you go through but, a dramatic experience yeah, of a very complex game.
1: Yeah, totally. But the difference between you know my example and board games is when you're playing video games, it kind of walks you through it generally and it there's not just like this huge learning curve like if you can't do something in a video game you just can't do it but if you can't do something in a board game you still can do it you just have to like remember in your head that you can't do it if that makes sense okay i'll phrase it a different way so if for example um in a video game you have to pay a toll to go somewhere you just have to do it you can't do it until you do it right but if in a board game you have to pay a toll to do something but no one who's playing the game knows that you have to do that then you can mess you up end the up game doing it you anyway. can break the rules of the game or whatever um so with video games it's like on rails you can't break it you can't go off what the game wants you to do you're kind of in the game and you can't change that but with board games the rules are all just kind of community enforced they're kind of you have to know them and you have to have the enforcement kind of amongst you and it's not part of the game and there was a game, what game was it we were playing? I don't know. It's not important, but a game that we'd been playing for like two years or something like that. And we had been playing it a specific way. And then we played it with someone who was, you know, more into the game and they were like, what are you doing? Like, you're not allowed to do that. And so we'd been playing the game wrong and kind of breaking the game, making the game too easy Mm -hmm. for two years because we didn't know it. And so that's one of the issues with games that are that complex is if you don't have someone who knows it super well you're all trying to learn at the same time you might miss a rule or you might get a rule wrong or something and it just adds to the like learning curve so where video games are like a you know a ramp up a nice smooth curve learning a game like a board game like that is like straight up a brick wall and you have to like climb a brick wall and like you get to the top and your knuckles are bleeding and your fingernails are like raw. Wow,
0: that sounds so fun.
1: And then it's then it's easy from there and then it's fun. But I think that's the that's the hardest thing I have with games like this because I would love to like have a group of like six dudes or dudes ladies dudes ads. But Dude ads. I haven't met many you know whatever okay. we're not it's okay it's <laughs> fine. Um, but I'd love to have a group of friends and we like can get into like this super in depth game and we like can spend hours on it and it's just like a fun communal thing. But it's hard it's hard to get there. It's like there's a straight up and down wall right in front of you if you're wanting to get into this kind of field, hobby yeah thing.
0: It definitely is a niche community and there is a a learning curve and only certain people are into it and mm-hmm. that's cool. I think I think probably what you were getting at at the beginning of this with whether or not it's just grown or whether we are now exposed to it. Right. It's hard to tell because now more than ever, people are able to find more communities and get plugged into things that are small but interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is something that should kind of remain a small, like niche community because. If it becomes too popularized, they're going to have to dumb down the games and reach the lowest common denominator of their market. And I think part of that already is happening with games being sold. I mean, there are dozens of games at every Barnes & Noble. And they still look really complicated and the fact that they cost $50 to $120 does exclude some of that audience. But... Most of the board games that my family owns were created before like 2005, and they're all kind of lame. For that reason, we don't do board games a ton. Right. And when we do, it's like the five that are good right. that we play together. But I think people like my friend and roommate from college, who has at least two dozen cool board games, they play all the time. He plays with his siblings and with his friends and gets people together. And that's like the thing amongst his friends. So I think if you want that to be your thing and you know about all the games, that can be an aspect of your community. But the difficult part is having buy-in from the other people in your community. Because I was on board with hanging out with people, but it was hard for me to stay plugged into all of those complex games totally. with so many rules. Yeah. And I was even one of the more compliant people.
1: I think one of the coolest uses for like in like Amazon dot or like Alexa or artificial reality like the Google Glass or the Apple Glasses or whatever would be to like enforce board game rules and kind of help you out. In learning it so you could have it you know if you're all wearing your apple glasses you could have augmented reality on the board game on the table and if you like try to like make a move you're not allowed to or do something you're not allowed to do it would tell you and it could kind of keep track of stuff in the game for you because that kind of opens up a lot of the possibility to get into because the thing i love most about these like intense games is kind of the world that is built around them and there's like you can use your imagination and you can kind of get into it, and there's like lore behind it, and it's kind of like a fun like escapist kind of thing um but you can't have that without you know the complex rule sets and the complex way the game works, and so something that could enforce that for you like a video game, but then it's still in person with your friends would be super cool, so Apple listen to us, heat us, and make apple I think glasses, that's
0: just dungeons and dragons,
1: yeah, yeah. But that's—I don't even know. That's just—that's not—not a technology boring. enforcing your oh, rules. You want, just... you
0: want Apple to give you Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I see. We are
1: Apple cultists on this. You are an Apple cultist. <laughs> I could quit at any time.
0: <laughs> I swear. He don't ask me to though. Four Apple devices on the table. <laughs>
1: Oh man. Okay. okay. Well that's I think that's enough for board games. It does make me want to play board games, but we're gonna have to dedicate some time to yeah. I did buy the Dune board game, which Ooh, looks okay. complex but fun, so yeah. we'll have to try that well, one. Out,
0: well but... I think we'll have plenty of time this winter.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Okay. sighs> Thank you for listening to I Heard It On a podcast. We've got new episodes every Monday and Wednesday that you can find everywhere on the internet. That's not true, but you know, we're to find podcasts. If you like what you hear and you think can think of anyone else who might like it too, send this podcast their way and have a conversation about it. Get them to play board games with you or something. As always, you can reach us at IHeardItOnAPodcast at gmail.com. You know what I'm thinking? We should set up like an all-day board game day. Okay. Smoke some meat. Yeah. And while the meat is smoking, learn to play a board game and then actually play our like real round of the game. Uh-huh.